Yes! Is he still standing? We don't know. Tony Kemp, I hope you're doing well. He's awake for some reason. He is awake. And well, you've got a message, Kempy. You've got a message through the text machine. <laughs> double, double three from Steve. Is he? Kempy wouldn't be able to get his arms around the Johns brothers. Because Kempy's guts would get in the way. <laughs> Jeez, Steve. <laughs> Steve-o! Ooh. Tell you what, if the Johns that boys are getting tough. a slap, so, are the, so is Steve-o. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, appreciate your call. All right, we've got a new part of our show today, actually. It's called Learnings, and basically it is understanding sport. And when you get the learnings, well, you know, plenty of rugby players, including myself, have gone along and said, learnings, we've learned a lot today. We'll take the learnings from this performance and move on. I can't wait. Credit to the boys. You know, that's kind of what this part is. Game of two halves, you know. Take the ref out of the play, you know, blah, blah. Anyway, you know what we're meaning. This is a part of the show where we're going to try something different. Well, we're going to be talking wood chopping today. Wood chopping with the one and only Jack Gordon. And uh, as well, uh, and I'm really looking forward to this. I don't know everything. I know very, very minimal, actually. And I'm looking forward to understanding a bit more about wood chopping and learning some things. There you go. But right now we're going to talk to one and only Bryn Hall, who is playing his rugby over in Japan. And the reason why we've got Bryn on is we talked about that conversation before, Ricardo, and mm. you asked the question about there's a lot of South Africans, there's a lot of New Zealanders playing rugby in Japan while heading to the World Cup. Will that have a flow-on effect? I thought it'd be great to chat to Bryn Hall, who has been over in Japan. He's currently in, New- in Europe, travelling around, being a hot dog, so we'll touch on that as well. Bryn Hall, good morning. Ah, uh, good morning, Daggy. Good on you, mate. Hey, what, just sorry, just a question before we start. You say that you were, you're learning. When have you ever learned anything in your thirty years of living, mate? <laughs> no, not not learning. I'm I'm more of a lessons guy. You know, sorry, take the lessons out of it. Have cleared that up. Taking the taking the lessons out of it. Nice. That's good to be here, bro. Good to hear. Good to hear. Good to be here. Hey, mate. Just, just quickly, what, what have you been up to? I know you, you've been around in Europe. You played in, um, you know, the Barbars World Fifteen game. You know, it's been a pretty yep. big couple of weeks. No, it has, mate. It's been um, obviously being in Japan, you get a bit of a, um, a few more months of having a break, which has been really nice. So now, me and my partner are currently in um, Santorini. We're in week five of our trip and had a bit of a um, pit stop playing that World 15 in Barbars and getting a call up from Steve Hansen halfway through. So that was a nice little pay wicket in the old brown envelope, which was nice. Um, <laughs> and now just um, finishing up in Dubai pretty soon and then coming back home, mate. So it's been a nice little break. It's been a nice little break being from uh, coming from Japan. Uh, Bryn, can you give us a bit of insight here? We were talking earlier about uh, yeah, Stuart Barnes has written a, a piece basically writing off New Zealand and South Africa because of the side of the draw they're on at the World Cup and saying, you know, that the, the French and the Irish are going to be the favourites. Uh, and we were talking about this and I thought, well, you know, there's about half a dozen, eight of the top Springboks are playing their club rugby in Japan. And we've seen in the past couple of years, uh, you know, Guzzler, TJ, Bowden have all gone over there and come back to Super Rugby. And it's looked a lot like, felt a lot like, been written about, commented about, that they've taken a while to get back up to speed after coming from Japanese Rugby to get back into Super Rugby. So I was questioning whether or not he had a point there and, and will the Springboks particularly, because they still select from outside of their country, be a little bit underdone coming into this World Cup given that they've got so many guys playing in Japan. What, what, what can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, I think um, I can understand the thinking behind it, but um, you know, I've only been over in Japan for a year, and um, there obviously has been stories around. It does take guys a little bit more to get back to the international level, and not being you look at the New Zealand examples of Bodie and you Patrick Tuploti, Brody Retallick, and all those guys. You know, people have said it's taken a bit while, but I guess for the difference with the South Africans, they've been doing it for such a long time. I think you know that you think about the sabbaticals for New Zealanders, it hasn't. You know, it's probably happened in the last five or six years that they've kind of let. Um, players head off and you wouldn't say a large exodus of, of players have kind of left but the South Africans have been doing it for you know I don't know how long but you know it's been a lot longer than New Zealand so they've actually had a lot more time to be able to I guess um, play a different brand of footy come back into representative footy and international level and then being able to build through their campaign so I don't think it's going to be a massive problem in Japan it's actually a really good it's a really good level um, even talking to a guy like Kwaga Smith yeah. who um, has been at our club for a long time he finds, you know, the physicality side of it because he's carrying so much. He actually gets a lot more physicality than he does in the international game because of how, of how much ball carries he does get. But I can see that the other side of it, um, you know, the Japanese league is improving, but I probably wouldn't say it's yet to the, the level of your Super Rugby or your Heineken Cup or your sorry, European Cup Championship that those boys are playing in if they are playing at international level. But it is a good it is a good level, but um, I don't think it'll be a problem for those South African boys, not, not at all. Mate, I was just going to um, head on to that, that question. You've played in both... You know, championship, you played in Super Rugby, you played now in the Japan Top League. So there's been talks of potentially where does Super Rugby go to now? You know, and I, I was thinking along the lines, well, with what's on offer up in, in Japan, you know, the clubs, you've got the Panasonics, you've got mm. the Cannons, you've got the Suntory, Goliaths, they are quality clubs. Yep. Could you see a day or a competition where Super Rugby could potentially partner up with Japan Rugby and have a, a competition rolling together? Is that something that you've thought about? Oh, I definitely think so. I think, um, you know, you look at the Sunwolves when they came in, um, you know, it was a great incentive with Super Rugby at that time. You know, Daggy, you were playing at that time um, to get the Japanese in there with the Sunwolves and also the Hagwaris and you even look at the Fiji and Draw and, draw and Mono Pacifica trying to get the um, the competitiveness and opening up the World Rugby. But I think what they're going to have to do to, um, to get that over the line is the companies. Um, that's who they're owned by. And... You know, they want to be able to have a strong Japanese league and being able to get their companies right and working with them and being able to build up the Japanese top league. So, look, I think if there was um, conversations with the Japanese rugby union and whether that was with um, Super Rugby, which you'd like to think would be the direction they would go, where they fall in with the Sunwolves, if they could get those top four teams into that competition, I definitely reckon it would make it um, a much better competition for Super Rugby Pacific because the top four teams, um, your Toshibas, your... Um, Panasonics, who haven't lost, you know, we actually beat them at a pump up for us boys. We're the first time to beat them in three years, so um, they were um, they're really really good side, really well drilled and really well. And I think if they were able to have those top four teams with those high caliber of players, I think it'd actually be really beneficial for Super Rugby Pacific moving forward. Bryn, on that, I talked to Robbie Deans a few weeks ago, and you know, he said that the the big problem with the Sunwolves setup was that Super Rugby, the people running Super Rugby, Sansa, didn't understand culturally how Japan rugby worked, and they should have been talking to the clubs yeah. rather than the than Japanese rugby union. Um, can yep. you know, expanding on what Dagger said there? I mean, which way do you reckon it will work best? Do, do Super Rugby clubs, do, do the Blues, I mean, we've seen Mark Ellis take a, uh, a share of the, of the Highlanders with a consortium yesterday, uh, but, do the, you know, the Hurricanes, the Blues, the Chiefs, do they, do they look to sell part of their, uh, their, their operation to the Panasonics, the Toshibas, the Toyotas, and get that kind of buy-in? Or does it need to be, you know, uh, some sort of situation with Super Rugby where, you know, the two finalists from uh, the Japanese club rugby play in Super Rugby the following season or something like that? 
Yeah, there's a lot of logistics around it. You know, it's a great idea, and I think it's around. Um, I just trying to be a, trying to be aligned. And you look at the companies. You look in the your Panasonic's, your Mitsubishi's, Toshiba. You know, those are obviously big company names, and you know they've got a lot of guys that work within the company um, within their clubs. So it's really hard to be able to. Um, to be able to have like a full professional outfit because, you know, as you'd know that a lot of the players are actually company workers and rugby is a secondary. It's not, they're not fully professional. So you look at the yeah. likes of Panasonic and the top, the top teams, obviously uh, they're fortunate enough to be able to have um, fully um, professional outfits. Whereas, you know, for our, for our club, for example, we've got 70% of our guys that are company workers and are, are working for jobs and then being able to play rugby after that, you know, so there's a lot of logistics around um, how that would happen, and um, you know, you'd have to think that the the alignment within the clubs, Japan Rugby Union, and the actual businesses and the companies, if they could all come together and be able to do it, because I genuinely think that um, the level of rugby from the top teams, and you even look at the finals in that, um, it's definitely a world where I think um, if Super Rugby Pacific wants to get better, and it's not to say that the competition isn't where it has been in the past, but I think with losing the South African teams, um, it's probably not as competitive as it is in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment. So I think if we can get the Japanese, the top teams and the top players mm. in the country playing, along with the foreigners that are that are trickling in now, um, I think it'll make a, a massive product and it'll be much better for Super Rugby Pacific moving forward and the competitiveness. Yeah. Oh, I think it would be too. I think it'd be great, but that's the the understanding that probably not many know, Bryn, is obviously what goes on when you play for these clubs, you know, most of them <laughs> yeah. grinding nine till five every day while we're having coffees in town and then rolling to work <laughs> and they go to training. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite unfair, so there is a lot of logistics behind it that would have to fall into place if this was able to take place, but I think it needs to happen. You know, I think um, Japan Rugby probably hold the power at the moment. They've got a wonderful competition mm. that's uh, growing year to year, whereas over here it's probably dwindling away slowly. Um, just want to ask you about, you're doing a lot of work for Sky TV and you'll be casting your eye over a lot of rugby around here and abroad, but to, particularly mm. in our own backyard. You know, New Zealand rugby, have you have you had a cast your eye over the squad? Obviously, they're going to announce the squad this Sunday. You're a former halfback. You know exactly what it takes in the <laughs> halfback position. I want to ask you about the squad makeup. Do you see any yep. surprises? Would you like to see any inclusions in the squad and particularly the halfback area? Where do you see that taking place? Who who's leading the run there? Obviously. Oh, you'd have to think Cam Roygaard, obviously. Um, look, he's a guy that's mm. um, you know has been given an opportunity with TJ Pedernada being injured. You know, he's done so much for the Hurricanes, but you know sometimes it's been able to be in the right the right position at the right time. And look, Cam's had a had an outstanding campaign. You think around, um, you look at all, all the probably other halfbacks in the country, they're all pretty similar um, and they're consistent. You know, they're all blacks, you know, incumbents. You look at Brad Weber, Aaron Smith and Finlay Christie, who I think has been playing really well for the Blues. Very, have been playing very, very consistent and, you know, play a pretty similar style. But, you know, Cam Roygaard, probably similar to, you think, about 12 to 24 months ago with Falao Fakatava being something a little bit different. And I think Cam Roygaard's really been very, very consistent and, you know, scoring tries at the top of the, leader of the board when it comes to tries and, you know, probably the most in, when it comes to the halfbacks. And his score skills, I think, has been really, really important. I think his kicking game um, has been a, a bonus, I think, that um, is going to be really important, um, especially when you talk around box kicks, his length, his different types of kicks, and, you know, his ability to be able to run as well. I think he's one guy that you might hear on Sunday. And then I just think two others that I've just got to notice, um, got to mention, you have to think Sean Stevenson would be pretty close to his form with how he's been going. Yeah. Not too sure how many outsides they might take. Padaghi, you might have a bit of, an, a bit of, a, bit of a better idea with that or – Something like that, but then maybe one more might be Tarmody Williams. I think with the propping, um, with the props at the moment, he might be a guy that might sneak in there with his performances at the Crusaders. So those are probably three guys that I think that you might hear on Sunday. 
Bryn, the, uh, there's another Bryn heading to Japan. Uh, Bryn Gatlin, uh, he's announced he's leaving the Chiefs to go to go play in Japan. Um, how how much of of that? How much? What percentage of that deal do you get? Did you did you stitch that up being a Harbour teammate? Did you you sort that? Are you, are you, are you Mr. Ten percent? Geez, mate, if I would have stitched that up, I would have him coming to my club. If I would have known. Um, but yeah, I, I, I feel for Bryn. You know, he had a. Um, you know, I think it's just probably where. He feels where the kind of makeup is at the moment. Um, he's played really consistent rugby for a long period of time, especially at um, Bunnings NPC level, and then had a great year with with um, the Chiefs last year with Damo not being uh, not being there. And then, you know, unfortunately, Damo's had a really good year, and he probably thought he was seeing a different direction, and um, which is really hard. But you're thinking Bowden Barrett and Richie Mwanga aren't going to be there. Um, could have stayed in and around, but. And they're really happy for him to make the decision. And, you know, as, as he knows, there's a bit more money in Japan. So he did take a lot when as he was in Japan. But, um, yeah, it's good to see Brenner <laughs> might get a bit more money over there. So, and Mate, a good, good setup with obviously Brady, Brady Retallick and Artie Sevier going over there as well. No, those North Canterbury ranches don't buy themselves, mate. You know that. <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you what, if there's Calm one guy that's down. been able to, if there's one guy that's had a hell of a career and invested well, it's that guy that's sitting in that chair down at Christchurch. So he's done well, Dagger. <laughs> I'll tell you what, mate. <laughs> I'm struggling. Mate, shush, <laughs> calm down. Um, what are we... Oh, you've rattled me here. You've rattled me big time. But anyway, I wanted to talk to you because I know you, you're at Auckland through and through. Most of your life is up in Auckland. But when you made that move down south, did you ever mm-hmm. feel like it would play out and pan out the way it had? And do you find yourself... A crusader, a summit, like is is Christchurch a big part of your life and a big part of your heart? Yeah, it is, mate. It is. It definitely is. I definitely see myself as a as a crusader. Um, and you know, to ask that question, ask, uh, answer that question, you know, I think when I first went down there, um, you know, I don't think I played any form of like um, player footy, and then. You know, you're winning one championship in 2017 um, in, in, in Johannesburg in front of 60,000 people. That was an unbelievable experience. And then, you know, by the time I left winning a, winning a final at Edina Park in my last game in New Zealand was was a great way to go out. But no, mate, I love my time there and I'm really, really hoping they um, they do a job on the Blues. I know they'll be motivated and, and that. But um, no, nah, mate, I bleed red and black, big fella. So just like you. Oh, right, Bryn. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I discovered this uh, this site the other day called Rugby Addicts. And they do their own their own range of t-shirts, uh, and and the, the t-shirts they they have all the different positions on the front of them with a description. And and and, and I, I just thought, see, we've got you on. I just wanted to get your take on their on their one scrum half, all right, which is yeah. half. It's obviously Northern Hemisphere. Uh, Gobby Midget, who can get himself into trouble marginally faster than he can run away from it. Nothing is his fault. A good drinker. Uh, is that accurate? <laughs> Or is he? Is that is that accurate? Is he? Is it accurate? <laughs> so of accurate, mate. So accurate. <laughs> Chirpy little can't run fast, but very tactical with his line, so he gets there quick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then drinks okay. Yeah, that's pretty yeah, on the money. Yeah, I thought that's yeah. It's not. It's actually not too bad. It's a pretty good description, I think. So I'll, I'll give that a big tick on my a, my end, a big tick. Well, just just to be balanced here, seeing we've got also got a fullback on the show. Uh, their fullback one says ninety percent of them should be shot at dawn for cowardice. Last line of defence, my ass. Secretly wants to play at ten and buys the skipper lots of pints. Too many hair products, but useful source of spare socks and toiletries at away games. Well, I only got to be able to. I only got to be able to room with Daggy once, and that was a hell of an experience. Messy, 
I think you had hair straighteners at that time, Daggy. Um, it was a um, it was a hell of an experience, but I'll give that one another tick as well. Yeah, definitely. Rugby oh. addicts on the money. On the money. On the oh. money. On the money. Don't don't get me started on you, Bryn. Don't get me started Sorry. on you, mate. I'm gonna shut you my be mouth quiet right now. And you, that's all the fun. That's you all get the away, fun uh, mate. You go back to your, your tour to Europe, uh, Bryn. Thanks very much for coming on and, Ciao, and having brother. a chat and giving us um, giving us the insight on on Japanese rugby, mate. Uh, enjoy your off season, eh? No problems, boys. Love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Love it. Thanks, brother. Bryn all. How accurate are those? Like, I'll be honest, that's very accurate for myself. <laughs> Horrible defender. Horrible defender at the back. Oh, mate, last we'll... line of defence. Yeah, yeah, I got last, I got last, I got last. You ain't got last, Israel. You haven't got last because they just bowled you over and scored a try. I last, Julian Savia. And, um, yeah, look, I had a toilet bag full of colognes, <laughs> hairsprays. I used to take a straightener on tour, a hair straightener. 100% used to straighten my bits that used to cover my bald spots. Oh, right. And, um, mm. Yeah, I was going to tell because I never yeah. thought you had hair long enough to require a hair straightener, to be honest. Well, I had long hair, but it, it actually started from the back. So oh. I had to straighten it and bring it over the front and, and cover up the bald spots. And uh, so, yeah, look, I. I, I used to do that. Um, I never used to buy the skipper's pints. No. <laughs> Wherever the leadership group was, well down the other end. I'll tell you that right now. So that's 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 not right. But the rest of it's pretty good. I love it. Pretty we'll good. read out a couple more, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, we should do. I've got back rower, lock, open side flanker and hooker. What do you want to hear? <laughs> we'll come back and we'll read them. We'll read them. We'll do those next here on SCNZ. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, your real house of fragrance at 722.